0: Welcome to Life Hurts, God Heals. I'm Kurt Flegel, and I am one of your two hosts for this show. And on this episode, we are going to be interviewing a friend of both mine and Kim Ward, our other host, and her name is Bethany Irvin. She has an incredible story that will help us understand why seeking comfort in our struggles from anything but God is just a fantasy that really doesn't help us. It only hurts us further. This is going to be an incredible episode where Bethany shares her struggle with pornography. She gets honest and run. I think her honesty is the very thing that we need in our lives as well. So without any further delay, let's jump right into the interview with Bethany. Welcome, Bethany, to Life Hurts, God Heals.
1: Thank you. Mm -hmm.
0: Kim... Why don't you explain how we know Bethany?
1: Oh, sure. Why not? Yeah. Well, uh, we all go to house church together. Mm -hmm. So uh, once again, another thing I blame you for, since I wouldn't have known about the house church, Kurt, without you. But yeah, so I guess I've known you since December now, and Mm -hmm. Kurt's known you longer than that.
0: Yeah, I know some of your story, and story is really important. It's powerful. As we share other our stories with other people, they there's aspects of our story that resonate and connect to them and help them relate to God in their own story. So I would love for you to, yeah, share, like what is your story of struggle okay. in, in your life and where has God met you in that? Uh,
2: let's see. He's met me in uh, so many places. Um, he actually had me recall things because uh, I was... Having some trouble believing that he was gonna do something he said he would do, and he's like, "Go back to like when you were first born," and like, and I'm like, "Of course, I don't remember when I was first born," right. but I've heard stories, and um, apparently, I had meningitis when I was two, and like people die from that. I still don't quite understand that that, uh, that disease or infection, whatever it actually mm-hmm. is, um, or that virus. But yeah, my parent, like, he woke my parents up in the middle of the night um, and had them praying for me, and like. Just, yeah, had them standing on the word that he can heal and that he does heal. Mm. Um, so, yeah, he had me go back through, like, that moment all the way up to, you know, current situation or, you know, current things. Um, and so, yeah, he He has literally always been there. Um, that song, Goodness of God, <laughs> comes to yeah. mind where I have literally lived in the goodness of God, even moments when I didn't acknowledge it, didn't know it, did wasn't grateful for it. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't know how far to go back.
0: Well, just whatever like comes <laughs> to mind. Like some of the more significant, biggest, yeah. Okay. All
2: right, some bigger moments. All yeah. Right. Um. Let's see. I'll start with uh, my previous pornography addiction. I tell everyone this one because it was huge that God actually brought me out of that. Um, that started, I'm assuming, when I was around 10 or 11, you know, middle school age. Yeah, saw pornography for the first time and was, like, scared, but also intrigued and very confused. My parents didn't really talk to me about sex. They kind of let school do it. Um, <laughs> the only thing they did tell me was that basically it was disgusting and wrong and that you should save it for marriage. <laughs> so,
0: Whoa, well, wait. And, yeah. <laughs> That's disgusting. <laughs> So save it for when you're Not married. Not wrong, but
2: like, basically, I think what they were trying to say, and I could remember this wrong, I'll give them, you know, grace, because, you know, their parents doing it for the first time, whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, from what it sounded like, like my dad would say, ew, like if something would come on the screen, he's like, ew, that's gross, or... Um, you know, things like that, when in actuality, it might have been helpful to be like, sex is okay, but within the confines of marriage, like God designed it, it's a beautiful thing. Mm. That's what I'm to tell my kids.
0: Yeah, <laughs> so, it's a yeah. beautiful thing. Yeah. It
2: is, it's so beautiful. Um, but yeah, so I didn't understand it, and so of course, I didn't feel comfortable going to my parents with questions or anyone really with questions, because I didn't quite know what to ask or what I was feeling. Mm. But yeah, so up to the age of like 14 or so, yeah, just hid it from my parents. Um, Did get caught one time, and they like talked to me about it, Um, or yeah, talked to me about it, and I like blamed it on Satan, was like, the devil made me do it. (laughs) 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 Um, And then like they prayed with me, and just like for the next few weeks to a month or so, like they would, you know, check in with me, and course I would lie and be like oh yeah yeah I'm I'm cured, I'm delivered I'm you know whatever and yeah Little did I know my dad actually had a pornography addiction also. So I'm kind of a firm believer that that was a generational
0: curse. How did it come to start for you? You said you, at around age of ten. Like, do you um, remember how like how you first came in contact with
1: it?
2: Well, with pornography, I'm not sure how I first came in contact with it. I'm assuming I'm I remember typing sex into the computer because okay. I think I was confused as to what that even meant, what that was. And so, and I think images, I'm assuming we didn't have a blocker or anything, images came up and I was just like, what is that? And so, you know, your dopamine and all that's going crazy, serotonin's going crazy. And then it just kind of, it became a habit, just, just looking, wasn't doing anything. There was no end goal or anything. It was just intriguing and sin, sin feels good in the Mm -hmm. moment. And like without truly, I guess, knowing that it was sin, I don't know, maybe I did know, I don't know. As a kid, I'm like you. Kind of know when you're doing something wrong, and especially because like you're doing it in private. So I knew. They're, yeah. So mm-hmm. I think I knew. Um, but yeah, as far as like how it like really started, like that very first instance, I'm not sure. Yeah, honestly, mm-hmm. not sure. I would. I wish I did know.
0: The good um, old Webernet, huh?
2: Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Even with dialogue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh,
0: them's the days, right there. Wow. Oh
1: man. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, the three of us are all old enough for that. Yeah. Yes, Oh, man.
0: AOL. Um, yeah, AOL. He's got yep. mail.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes. But, yeah, so, like, yeah, age 14, like, it was just, yeah, still sort of kind of kept private, but my dad, like, kind of, or my, my parents knew about it, and I, yeah, again, blame the devil. But then when I was 15, my dad confessed to having i uh, been cheating on my mom for the past seven years and my mom is the one who told me like well yeah your dad struggled with that too and like I didn't yeah I <laughs> I wish my dad had told me like hey I struggled with this too or I struggled with this too but he he wasn't willing to fight his own uh, battle and so yeah I was kind of left to myself to, to to fight it I guess. I was too afraid of sex because it was gross. Mm. Quotations, gross. And so, because <laughs> you can't see that.
0: He can't see the air <laughs> You can't see
2: that in a <laughs> podcast. Um, but yeah, so like I was too afraid to actually do anything with anyone in high school, like even after uh, the divorce, you know, after my parents' divorce. And so, yeah, but even then, like God definitely had his hand on my life. So, I mean, I praise God that I was protected, at least in that way. Mm. And so, yeah, that just, that continued for years until I was... I was 21, maybe 22, and I was going through a tough time. Did I change my major yet? No, I hadn't changed my major yet in college. I was in my fifth year, uh, or fourth, fourth or fifth year of being um, going for medical technology. So basically, working in a lab, phlebotomy, things like that, and. It was just, chemistry's hard. (laughs) Chemistry's so hard. Amen. (laughs) I was just really struggling, had lost my job, had to move back in with my mom, and just, world was falling apart. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was, like, hanging out with this guy before world was falling apart, and I remember one time when I'm hanging out with him, we're making out. Gross. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) we were friends, but it, it happened. But I remember, like, looking up, like, at the stars and just being like, God, I don't want to listen to you right now, but please don't leave me. Like, I know you're there. I know this is wrong. Please don't leave me in this, though. And he completely honored that request Mm. so mercifully and just allowed everything around me to crumble. Uh, Like I said, lost my job, had to move back in with mom. School seemed to somehow get harder. I don't know how chemistry could get harder, but it did. Um, Mm. Just everything was just falling apart and... I remember finally coming to my senses by His grace, coming to my senses, and just being like, you know, God, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing from here or, you know, the rest of my life, but in this moment, I want to choose to follow you. I want you to just enter this space, enter this chaos, and bring peace. I remember I was listening to a Phil Wickham song, Mm -hmm. and uh, his, I forget which, I forget the title of the song, but the lyric is, who brings our chaos back into order Mm. and that's when I was like God I need you to bring order to my chaos because this is this is not how it's supposed to be and the I think the following Sunday I was driving to to church because I mean i had been going to church but I had stopped going to my the church that I grew up in there were no young people there There was like it just wasn't you know I guess for me anymore and so I started going to this huge church where like I could just not be known and I could just kind of slide under the radar and not have to serve or do anything, not have to be on a worship team, because I've been on a worship team since I was like 13 years old. Mm. Um, so I just, I thought I deserved a break. and um, But yeah, so I was going there. But then I decided to go to church with my sister after I, you know, tried to recommit my life to God. And I remember on the way to church, it was maybe two weeks after I'd been going there, uh, another Phil Wickham song came on. <laughs> I love Phil Wickham. Yeah. And um, it's that one... That one, one I think is called Thirst. But yeah, one of the the lyric, I think it's something like, um, remove the things that you don't love, like out of his heart, basically, like create a clean heart. And I said, God, I want you to do that with me. You know, remove those things that you don't love in me, those things that, you know, you can't be around, basically. And I literally heard God, maybe not audibly, but I heard him ask, are you sure? Um, He actually gave me the choice. Wow. Uh, Yeah, I was, and immediately I said, yes, yes, I'm sure. And, yeah, continued my drive to church and, you know, didn't think anything of it. And then the following Sunday, my sister was like, have I got a word for you? And I'm like, oh, okay. And I'm feeling like this is it. Like, you know, and because he always chose to speak through my sister.
0: Mm. Um, Is this Lenora?
2: Yeah, through Lenora. Yep. (laughs) She's my favorite person Mm. in this world. Mm. Sorry, Mom. Um, <laughs> oh. mom already knows yeah. Mom is second favorite but it's just my sister lenora has been there through so many things mm. um she's the one she's the reason i'm here honestly i mean god of course ultimately is the reason i'm here but right. my sister when i was i think 23 told me to get my act together basically and not so nice words mm-hmm. and to figure out what i wanted to do with my life because i changed my major to teaching and she's like that's not for you like you're copping out And, I mean, for me, that would have been copping out. Teaching is a wonderful profession. Do not get me wrong. Both of my parents were teachers. They also told me never to be a teacher. So (laughs) so I was disobeying, perhaps. (laughs) Yeah. But anyway, uh, yeah, she said, have I got a word for you? And then that night, she and her husband came over, um, and she just started spilling out all that God had for me in this life all that he wanted to do with me um starting from the day I was born the season like of the Jewish calendar like just all of it because apparently I'm born in the month of Av according to the Hebrew calendar and uh, that is the the season of destruction and comfort I guess that was the destruction of both of the temples but that's also when I forget the comfort one I just remember the destruction ones that's how my brain works terrible <laughs> but, um, <laughs> um But yeah, he just, he broke it all down to my name, meaning like, because my name actually means house of figs, but I guess in context, it's house of God. It's interesting. But yeah, he just, he broke it all down and was like, this, these are your scriptures. Like he, he gave me specific scriptures that are to be my banner for this life and that I'm supposed to pray over myself and others and just really entered that space. Like, I mean, this was three years or two to three years after I had already, you know, been like, you know, God, I want you to enter this space and, you know, bring order to my chaos. But during all of that time, still had the pornography addiction. So don't forget that. <laughs> um, <laughs> still had all of that. Um, But then, yeah, 23, 24 is when God was just like, if you actually want to follow me, this has to go. Like, you, this cannot be your comfort anymore. Mm. Um,
0: interesting how you just said destruction and mm-hmm. comfort.
2: My entire life has been... Even now, it's me wanting comfort and looking for something to comfort me, and God being like, No, that's not it. I am to be your comforter. And it's still, it's a process. Like, I i don't want to say I've gotten better at it. I've just, I guess I've moved on to other things in a sense of, like, okay, I'll drop that, but then I accidentally go to something else because I'm like, There's no way God can comfort, but that's such a lie, obviously.
0: Pornography is our way of seeking comfort from yes. something. Yes. And what was that for you? Like, what were the things that you were turning to pornography mm-hmm. to feel better rather than God? Beautiful question.
2: Um, this, or I realized over the years that I was seeking comfort. I was seeking to be wanted. I was, I'm my dad's first child, because uh, my mom was remarried to my dad. Um, and so I'm his, his oldest kid, uh, but I'm, I'm my mom's fourth. I always felt like my dad wanted a boy first Mm. because I have a younger brother who, you know, we're biologically like uh, we're full siblings, I guess you can say. And I always thought that my dad, not necessarily that he loved my brother more, but that he would have preferred that he would have been born first. Because I I know my mom was kind of done having kids. She already had three and then she had me. And my dad was like, one more, like one more, one more. And I don't know. I kind of believe that if. If Chad had been born first, that he wouldn't have been like one more. He wouldn't have asked for one more. Mm. Um, I mean since my dad me and my dad have talked about this and he's like, No, Bethany, I've always loved you, I've always so that that has been laid to rest. But always feeling like that and then also always feeling like I cared more than other people, I am overly considerate or I can be I actually have to stop myself mm. times and that is not a humble brag or anything it's no. honestly a problem yeah.
0: um no our great our greatest strengths oh yeah, yeah. Are our greatest weaknesses <laughs> are.
2: and yeah and I've never actually thought about that but yes that is very true I just I am overly considerate I will to the point of when, like, my, actually, my uh, my roommate was in the bathroom today, and I'm just like, it'd be nice if she would think about, like, oh, Bethany gets off work at 3, maybe I should avoid being in the bathroom. <laughs> Bethany's going to need it when she gets off. <laughs> and that's so silly, but those are the things that I think about. Like, those are the ways that I plan. I'm a planner, too. So overly considerate, plus a planner, it's, yeah, it is a strength and a weakness that God is definitely working in. And so, yeah, just constantly feeling unwanted in that aspect, and then feeling unwanted by friends. I always questioned, especially after the divorce, because the divorce happened when I was 15, and so I still had the three years of high school. And so oh, the rest of my high school years, I wondered if my friends hung out with me because they actually cared for me, if they actually liked me, or if it was because of what I could give them, or um, they just kept me around and, you know, actually talked about me behind my back. And, mm-hmm. you know, I just, I always had those thoughts just never truly feeling wanted or desired in any way or loved because i remember even when i was 11 i was i built this helicopter, I don't know what the little tool thing, it's not Lincoln Logs, it's not Legos, it was actual like tools and
0: stuff. that you guys... rector set, pieces yes, with the yeah. holes in them. I remember
2: following the directions, building this helicopter, and being so proud of myself. That was the first time that any sort of engineering had ever, like I didn't know what to call that, but I was super proud of myself, went into my parents' room, and they're just like, oh yeah, 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 that's cool. And I'm just like, what? Okay. And so, <laughs> <laughs> just kind of consistently feeling not really heard. Just feeling sort of uh, left behind or discarded. And so with pornography, it was more about seeing intimacy. It wasn't just about people being naked. Like, that wouldn't do it for me. It doesn't, like, wouldn't do it for me now. I prefer men clothed actually. <laughs> Put on a sweater vest and I'm happy. But... <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs> um, but But, yeah, so it was never them being naked. It was more about their togetherness. Like, there's a difference like I've watched enough pornography in my day to like be able to see the difference I don't know if you guys have ever seen the, the movie The Notebook but that yeah. that sex scene was the first time I'd seen something that seemed beautiful and intimate and in like like a, in a good way it was it was very interesting I think I watched it when I was 13 I was sitting next to my mom which was a little awkward <laughs> but whatever um And that was the first time I'd seen it in that light. And so from then on, like, seeing just, like, naked pictures or people, you know, whatever, in, like, the, the, the fake way, I guess, that pornography presents it wasn't enough. I had to see people, like, actually seeming like they're in love or, you know, in a committed, you know, whatever. And so what I was seeking comfort in was, like, or what I was, I guess, receiving from watching those things was the possibility of intimacy one day not even just physical intimacy but actually being known because my parents you know kind of introduced the idea of like sex is bad or sex is gross or you know stay away from it 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 created a desire for it but not in like the physical sense i don't quite know how to explain that but yeah there was definitely a desire to be known and to be loved for myself you know for who i was
0: to be wanted.
2: Yeah, to be wanted. To be sure. seen as yeah. beautiful. Mm-hmm. And, then, and not just physically, but also as my mind. Because like that helicopter thing, like there's a reason I still remember it. Because I, I know I was 11. I built the helicopter. I can still picture it. I know the house we were in, and I was in the living room by myself. And I built it, and it took me, I don't know how long, but I kept at it. And I was honestly super proud of myself. And my parents did not care.
0: They didn't uh, see maybe they you. were,
2: yeah. And so pornography, for whatever reason, it was as if it wasn't the as though they saw me, but it was me being able to see people see each other, and that, for whatever reason, felt healing. Definitely wasn't that was definitely not a healing thing, but that's the best way I can explain why I watched it.
0: You were looking to be seen.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. And and so that's. The pattern that was set where you mm-hmm. at that point couldn't get out of is mm-hmm. the desire to be known and and loved for who you were to mm-hmm. be seen and yeah. acknowledged yeah you know for you mm-hmm. to to see you, mm-hmm. not to be seen as um, someone that the other person wished you were yeah, but to be seen for who you really are mm-hmm. and 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 wanted yeah to be that person. That's what you were going back to. Mm-hmm. That was what the desire that drove you to the that pattern of behavior of watching mm-hmm. pornography.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And that's where you were seeking comfort.
2: Yes. Yeah, for sure.
0: And so the the, the lie that that you were hearing from a young age was that you weren't wanted mm-hmm. and you and no one bothered because you weren't wanted, no one was bothering to know you.
2: Mm-hmm. That's exactly the lie that I was believing. Because, um, yeah, that's definitely not the case. That was never the case. But, yeah, that was the lie that,
0: that entered in. So here's this moment that your sister comes over with her husband mm-hmm. and starts laying out your <laughs> your life, basically, yeah. of who you are. What What did that do for you in that moment to hear them like speaking about you like specifics about Mm -hmm. where you've come from who you are and where you're going Mm
2: -hmm. well first it gave me a purpose because of course that god didn't give me a timeline he never gives me a timeline Mm -hmm. he'll give me like an answer to something like this is what's happening but he yeah he doesn't give me a timeline
0: is that frustrating?
2: Very. <laughs> for a planner, yes. <laughs> for someone who loves calendars and yeah, oh yeah, that's definitely frustrating. Knowing the end goal or the end, you know, the outcome, but then not knowing how to, how to get there, that, that, yeah, drives me a little bit crazy, but it's beautiful. Um, so yeah, when my sister and her husband, yeah, were sharing all these things with me, I first felt purpose, which was amazing. Like I instantly knew that God had a plan for me and that I was seen, Mm -hmm. and that I was known, um, down to, yeah, my my birthday, and the the season, you know, in which I'm born, and just the meaning of my name, and why I'm born on the 14th, and what that, like, he went through the numbers, because eight means um, new beginnings, and 14 Mm. means deliverance and salvation, and like, God just, yeah, he went through all of it, even having four ends in my name, which in the Bible, four is like kind of not overkill, but like three is perfect and complete. And so four is just like exceeding.
0: Over uh, the top.
2: <laughs> and then he was like, what number, he was like, what number is in, or like, you know, what number is it in the alphabet? And I'm like, oh, that's 14. And he's just like, Bethany, like my plan is for deliverance and salvation. Like I've got you. And that just, yeah, that meant a lot <laughs> at that time. Um, But yeah, hearing all that that God had planned for because there's no way my sister could have made any of that up. It just, it didn't make any sense. And like, and he spoke through her because he knew I'd believe her. I always mm. listen to Lenora, mm. <laughs> always. I'll take pretty much anything she says. But yeah, it gave me purpose and, and direction. And yeah, I felt seen and known by him, um, which is who I always needed to be seen and known by um, before I, you know, before I knew that.
0: What did that do for the pattern of behavior with pornography?
2: He told me that he wanted, he said, you are to be the place of comfort for my people. And when he said that, I quickly realized that the place that I was in, the person I was at that time, the things that that I was allowing into my life were not going to to accomplish the, the things that he was trying to put in front of me. So I'm like, okay, something has to change then. And so and he yeah, he started with he actually started with my friendships. Uh, My best friend, Nick, who's still my best friend, had a special place in my life to where I would go to him for everything. He was another place of comfort that I would just go to him for everything and ask him about things instead of going to God first. So God was like, there's a disconnect. Like, I have to be your first. Mm. It got to the point where I was actually having to, like, I would look at the phone. Nick would be calling. And I'd have to ask God, can I answer this? And oftentimes God would say no. Just because he needed my time. He had to have my time. He needed my heart. And so, yeah, he started with that. And then he moved on to pornography and was just, you know, basically, like, you can't do this anymore. This has no place in my kingdom. He's like, if you want me to bring order you have to let go, you have to be obedient in the things that I've called you to thus far. Like, no, you don't see the timeline, you don't see, you know, where everything is leading, but you have to be obedient in this.
0: What were the reasons that you heard when it came to pornography why this has no place in God's kingdom?
2: Well, it was a, it was a false comfort, for one. Well, okay. Um, but then also, it was, it was a lot of different things. There were a lot of reasons that I saw it fit to quit pornography, uh, I, at that time, I discovered Matt Chandler. <laughs> He's a pastor in, uh, for the Village Church uh, in in uh, in Texas. He had a sermon series uh, called "A Beautiful Design," and it talked about how just how that is abusing somebody else who is made in God's image. Mm. And when he said that, it broke my heart because I had never thought about it. Because I'm like, oh, it's not like I'm watching children. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. And then I also learned that sin is insatiable, and that people start off with what they see, think is innocent, and then it leads to darker places. And honestly, that terrified me. And so it was—it was a combination of things. I—I I can't say that it was just that it had—that it had no place because it was a false comfort. It was—it was multiple things. It was hurting people that God created. It was that it was a false comfort. It just—it's also that it was like it was keeping me from from honesty with like my family my friends Mm. it was a bad thing that was just it was not
1: life-giving
0: kim as you're listening to bethany like what resonates with you and her story
1: you know my story pretty well so obviously the not being seen not Mm. feeling known i i recognize that trap all too well Mm. uh, in my own life and for me it, it wasn't you know, it wasn't videos. It wasn't that type of pornography. Mm. For, for me, it wound up being books. Mm. I, read thing, book right a, I read my first book right. I read my first book that had sex scene in it. Mm-hmm. I was probably about eleven mm-hmm. or twelve. Oh wow! And Sorry, it was like the same.
0: Back then. Uh, yeah, I I I've been a
1: bookworm since I was five. According to my mother, I I progressed chapter books at five. Mm. Oh. I was a little obsessed. Impressive. Just a smidge. But I, I got that because that was literally why I was doing it as well. Mm-hmm. It was because there was that hope that someone would want you. Yeah, There yeah. was comfort in the idea that someone would know you and want you mm-hmm. and that that person would stick around too, for yes. me at least. Yeah. Because there's a lot of leaving mm-hmm. in this world, you know, and being adopted and being mm-hmm. essentially taught, hey, being loved means you're going to be left. Mm. That's literally what they're saying. Hey, I'm going to give you away, but it's because I love you. so Don't worry, that mm. it hurts. Oh, man. So, you know, the idea of a relationship that wouldn't end. Yeah. You know, that that's huge. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. it's why that stuff is so powerful, I mm-hmm. think. Because we all have a certain amount of fear that we're not enough.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that, you know, it, we won't be loved. Yeah. That we won't be seen. Mm-hmm. So it's safer. To get that need met through books mm-hmm. or through videos or through mm-hmm. pictures, because those people on the screen they won't leave. Mm-hmm. You know, not in that sense. They're safe. Like they're safe. Air quotes again. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, they're safe in that respect because they're not real. Yeah. Because the fantasy in that respect feels safer than the reality. Mm-hmm. Because the reality is, is people screw up and make mistakes. And their own brokenness affects everyone around them, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and our brokenness then affects everyone else. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I was sitting there and I'm like, ooh, I'm hitting all my tree, <laughs> all my little <laughs> sensitive buttons in a, in a good way. Because mm-hmm. I was like, oh, because that's, you know, I had to come to the same place mm-hmm. of, well, God's like, well, who do you want more? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you trust me? Mm-hmm. And that, that's hard. It, sometimes it's really hard when you're going like yeah. God. I don't see what you're doing in this place. Yeah.
0: yeah, you said the word that was in my head, which is fantasy. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then you talked about how much reality sucks <laughs> and how broken people are and messed up. So here's a here's a question: um, Why would God challenge these areas of fantasy and call us to look at? reality of things if the reality if the fantasy feels so much better and reality sucks so bad why would he call us to let go of these things that are fantasy to walk into the reality that hurts so much
2: I'd say because the fantasy is a false comfort and then walking in the reality even though it hurts and it sucks that's where he can heal Mm -hmm. um, because his truth heals and I'm, I'm one of those who believes that facts are different than truth. And that, like, it may be a fact that I have, or that I used to have dad issues. I don't have them anymore. Praise mm. God. Um, but, yeah, at that time, it was, a tr- it was a fact that I had, you know, issues with my father. But it was a truth that God heals. And, like, his truth trumps everything that I'm feeling. It trumps my reality. Because once he enters that space,
1: he brings...
2: Some, a truer reality?
0: Mm-hmm. No. That's good. <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: no, it makes sense. I love the. there's an illustration of one of the pastors I used to follow used an, in a video, so it's mm-hmm. not going to be quite as much fun. But he's like, he's got this microphone in front mm-hmm. of him. He's like, you know, if I tell you this microphone, the microphone is black. He's like, if I tell you this microphone is white, you're going to look at me like I'm crazy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He's like, well, if God says that microphone is white. The second he speaks that word... That microphone is white mm. because God can't speak a lie. Mm-hmm. So his word literally yeah. changes our reality because Except, his yeah. word, his truth is reality. Mm-hmm. So if he can't speak a lie, then what he says,
2: yeah.
1: you're right. It, trumps, yeah. no, well said. it, it yeah. trumps the fact. I like that visual. <laughs> yeah.
0: So let's talk about how that, what Kim just said, applies mm-hmm. to what you were saying that there was a fact mm-hmm. that. You had dad issues, mm-hmm. right? And and no wonder from the yeah. what you shared, right? <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. But you said that the truth of what mm-hmm. God could bring to comfort you through your dad issues was that truth was bigger yes. than the fact of the dad issues. Mm-hmm. So how did that come about for you as experience? Where did that cause you said you don't have dad issues anymore? I don't. So so obviously <laughs> Something mm-hmm. happened mm-hmm. to take that fact and turn it into a greater truth—that mm-hmm. of God's comfort, yes. despite the fact of the dad issues. So what happened?
2: My, uh, my God, God—he is, he is, he is your God. God. He is your <laughs> He's God. He's mine. That's right. But um, he used—he used a friend. Really, uh, I've been depressed for like nine, ten years. So by this time, I was twenty-four. Divorce happened when I was fifteen. So like nine years. Was just, yeah, severely depressed. Uh, would laugh a lot still, because I'm me. But, mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, just was holding on to those things. Was terrified of hurting my dad and telling him how he, how much he actually did hurt me. Uh, and so, yeah, God used my friend to basically just tell me the truth. She was like, you're expecting things of the, the men in your life, like the, the guys in your life, that you should actually be expecting of your father, and you're not expecting enough of your father. And, like, when she said that, it, like, it hurt, but I knew she was right. And so, like, that day I texted my dad. I was like, hey, we need to talk. Call me when you can. And, I mean, I'm not proud of this, but I did, like, I didn't call him every name in the book. Just some of the names (laughs) in the book. Um, (laughs) And just told him how much he hurt me. And I think that was necessary to present that fact to him and to not cover it anymore. Like I said, like, presenting your the the true, you know, whatever of what you're going presenting your actual reality and facing your actual reality instead of living in this fantasy of, no, me and my dad are fine. Oh, we still talk. We, you know, we text. Instead of continuing to do that, I finally confronted it and told him just how much it hurt that he because he rejected my mom and I've been told my entire life that I look like her. I've even been called Little Denise. Like that's just been my title whenever mm. I go, you know, to Louisiana to visit. Because he rejected her and I look like her, I felt also rejected and that I felt unwanted because he didn't want my mom. And just just sharing that hurt with him released me. And then also telling him that he needed to like step up as my dad. Like I just I don't know where the I guess the confidence in God came from or maybe it's because I knew that God cared for me and that I had a father who loves me, that he he wants me. That, I don't know, I had the the confidence to just, yeah, share that truth with my dad. And yeah, ever since then, it was sort of, it's been, it's been some years now, because what, I'm, I'm 30, so, <laughs> yeah, it's been like five, five, six years now of rebuilding a relationship and making sure he knows he's allowed to be my dad, like, mm. it's like, you still have that space. I fully intend for him to walk me down the aisle when mm. that day comes, mm. like, he's, he's my dad. And so, yeah, that place is is totally healed. But, yeah, God used a friend speaking some truth. I don't know if she actually spoke it in love or not. She seemed kind of angry with me. (laughs) But it was truth that needed to be said so that God could enter that space. Because once I was truthful about my reality and what I was actually feeling, God was able to be like, all right, I can deal with that. Like, I can take that on. Mm. I can heal you. And then also heal my dad. Because I think that me letting my dad know how I was feeling also released him, which is what I, I was terrified that I would hurt my dad by telling him all that was in my heart. But in actuality I, I I think it set him free because yeah, since that day we have been more honest and able to like genuinely hug and like I genuinely mm. love him and like yeah, it's been different since that day. And that's something that, yeah, I learn on a daily basis of when I just present my feelings to God, kind of like David. He's just like, all right, I'm feeling like this. David in the Bible, (laughs) insult. He's just like, I'm feeling this. This is what I'm seeing. This is what my reality seems like. But I know who you are and I know what you can do. So, you know, enter this space. Mm. And that's, yeah, that's exactly what God has done from day one with me. I feel like maybe I'm getting a little faster with it. (laughs) Not as slow anymore but
0: shorter um, accounts
2: yeah yeah exactly (laughs) yeah it doesn't take 10 years now it's you know maybe a month (laughs) (laughs)
0: that's progress. that's 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 oh my gosh that's so progress
2: (laughs) but yeah allowing him to enter that space and actually bring his truth to my situation whatever it is has that's been my whole life and like i said getting a little faster with it
0: that whole idea of moving into you know A faster pace of Mm -hmm. acknowledging the reality of what's happening in here Mm -hmm. to God Mm -hmm. and giving like you said giving him that space to move in that Mm -hmm. is the process that's the journey you know and we find that the more we move into that space the more safe we really are Mm -hmm. which gives us a greater sense of inviting him in Mm -hmm. and finding that what he says, like Kim said with the microphone, finding what he says is the reality. Mm-hmm. And when I'm out of whack with reality, it's just like when my back is out of whack and I need <laughs> to go to the chiropractor <laughs> to realign me. Yeah. There's pain involved in that process yes. <laughs> for a moment, <laughs> but it takes away a, a chronic pain. Yeah. A, a pain that's been there for a long time because I've been out of alignment. Mm -hmm. god is the reality his identity is reality and who he says Mm -hmm. our identity is reality Mm -hmm. and when we're out of whack of with that when we're out of alignment with that Mm -hmm. there's a chronic pain that we go to other things to try to feel better about it's like trying to put a band-aid on my back Mm -hmm. rather than go to the (laughs) chiropractor it sounds I ab-
2: laugh as if it's ridiculous but I do it on the date. Right, yeah. right,
0: you know, we do that, right? That's what fantasy does. It puts a bandaid on mm-hmm. something that's a chronic pain that can't yeah. that it can't fix. And so mm-hmm. you said, "I don't know where I got the courage to after she said this to me, mm-hmm. your friend said that to go to my dad and uh, and spill that." But go back to that moment. This was after your your sister came. Yeah,
2: it is. Yeah. It
0: is. So this is where the courage came from. Mm-hmm. Eventually was God laid out for you in that moment where you were ready mm-hmm. to hear how he sees you. Yeah. That you are seen. <laughs> that you are known mm-hmm. for who you are. You are wanted mm-hmm. and you are loved and you have purpose. Yeah. You have, Not only are you known and wanted, you are going to be used for other people to know that they are known and wanted. Mm-hmm and that was all laid out to you Whoa. that was all laid out to you in that moment and you accepted it mm-hmm. and God's like now that you accept that reality i'm going to start to bring that into your experience yeah. like that was exactly conceptual god laid it out in your in to you for you to receive to your mind mm-hmm. and then because you believe that with your mind mm-hmm. and started stepping into that he brought moments like that moment with with your friend challenging you to go to your dad where things were out of alignment Mm -hmm. and you were like, I trust the chiropractor. Mm -hmm. I trust father God Mm -hmm. that he sees and knows me so that I can step into this and have a greater experience of that. Mm -hmm. And those are the things that have led you to go, wait, that was painful, but it took away a chronic pain.
2: Yes.
0: And, and now I'm, that kind of reality, I'm going to face more often, and there's pain involved. But I know what's on the other side of that—healing mm-hmm. from the chronic pain. So, a momentary surgery of pain takes away the cancer. Yes,
2: yeah, very well said.
0: <laughs> that's what yeah. I'm hearing.
2: Yeah, absolutely. No, that's exactly it. Yeah.
0: And I, I can relate because you know those kind of the honesty with your father in that moment, and how it opened him up. Mm-hmm. Like it started to open up honest conversations that happened with my father um, a couple years ago. You know I'm still carrying a lot of of wounds and some of them are father wounds that I'm still discovering. Mm-hmm. Yay joy! There's <laughs> deeper roots here. Like the root goes deeper than you yeah. think. But that's God meeting us, you know, and he he keeps meeting us where we are and slowly, patiently takes us when we're ready to that deeper layer. And there was this moment where I was just sick of a pattern that was happening in my conversations with my father. First of all, because I didn't like the conversations that we were having, I avoided having them as long as I could. So my dad and I would go months and months without talking until I finally felt guilty enough, the guilt overwhelmed me enough to pick up the phone and either answer his call... Mm -hmm. Or call him. And the reason why, there are things, topics that I don't want to talk about with him because they always deteriorate to arguments. And there's a defensiveness that's happening there when I say, Dad, I don't want to talk about this. And then that becomes an argument, you know. So there was this one day where things were starting to develop that way. And I just said, Dad, I have to tell you, it's moments like these that I actually I have to guard against you like there are places in my heart that I would love to share with you, but I don't feel like I can because I feel like this kind of thing that happens doesn't give me the, the ability to trust you to open up these other areas. And there is, there's actually doubt in me that I will ever be able to share these areas with you. And I want to, but this is the stuff that I don't know what's going on with you, why you get defensive, why you get insecure, when i'm just pointing out some things and that turns into these arguments and because of that i don't think there's areas i'm just not feeling safe enough to share mm-hmm. with you like i've like avoided that conversation for years mm-hmm. and the same thing that you said when you went your dad to your dad and confronted him the same thing happened mm-hmm. my dad began to open up and share like his experiences and he shared with me this thing. He said, "Kurt, I I've always felt like a failure, and and that's why I'm I'm feeling insecure because I've always, especially with you kids, I felt like I've failed with you." And he goes, "And so I I tend to live in this fantasy world rather than deal with it." And he said, "Did you ever read the book?" Uh, the life of Walter Mitty, and I'm like, no, I didn't know it was a book. <laughs> I've watched the movie, and I actually spoke a message on it in our church community not too long before this, and it was blowing my mind wow. because I've—that's how I've lived my life, so busy escaping into fantasy that I—I I miss what's right in front of me, the reality that's right in front of me. I'm like, Dad, that's how I live a lot of the time. I totally relate to that, wow. and there was a connection. Yes. Right, and you talked about these generational curses. Mm-hmm. I've felt so long. My dad doesn't understand me. My perception, mm-hmm. he doesn't know me. He doesn't see me. Mm-hmm. He doesn't understand. Mm-hmm. And because of a moment where I was willing to confront him, mm-hmm. I found there is a deeper connection and understanding, mm-hmm. and we're more alike than I ever thought. Mm-hmm. You know, and that actually built a it built a foundation for us to keep growing in honesty and to this day it's like i I shared at house church a few weeks ago i felt prompted to call him and warn him about a podcast (laughs) that i shared some things that i'm like and i know he's listening now like oh i i need to give him a heads up so i probably need to give him a heads up on this but (laughs) but it was on my sabbath which is my day of rest where i don't want to do anything stressful i don't want to do anything other than what's enjoyable and i felt the desire in that moment to actually call my dad, not out of obligation, yeah. but to call him because I wanted to talk to him about yeah. this. And at all, what I hear in your story is what is true in my, why that conversation happened with my dad, where I was able to share these areas that I was like, I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to share this with you. Mm-hmm. To be able to be that honest was because of the work that God had shown had done in me to show me who he was mm-hmm. as Father. Yeah. That I was free now to challenge my earthly father, because yes. like you, in that yeah. moment with Lenora, mm-hmm. where she lays it all out, you begin to see who Father God is to yeah. you, and and coming into alignment with that reality begins to free you to deal with the chronic pains, mm-hmm. and and you know and face them and not be afraid of the momentary pain to get rid of the chronic long term. Yeah. Stuff That's what I'm yeah. hearing. Yes. Facing the, the, the fantasies yeah. that we are running to to cope with things that are actually are not helping us cope yeah. with those things, to get beyond, to name the fantasies, deal with them by actually bringing the real issues to God yeah. and how it sets a pattern of when we finally do it, that we go, hey, that, that actually, even if it was painful, God is safe. Mm-hmm. God was safe for me. Yeah. and I can do it again yep. and do it again and mm-hmm. so the accounts get shorter and that's awesome, Bethany <laughs> to the point where you're not afraid to spill all that on oh, a yeah. <laughs> podcast even yeah, no, to speak reality
2: yeah.
0: wow <laughs> uh, can I just say how brave you are? <laughs>
2: I don't think that. I think I'm a wuss. But I really do.
0: Well, what does God say you are? I
2: guess He makes me brave. That's a song, isn't it? Yes, <laughs> it is. He makes Love me so brave.
0: <laughs> but would God say you're a wuss? Hmm? Would God say you're a wuss? No, I don't think so.
1: Pretty sure the right term is mighty warrior. Mighty warrior. <laughs> pretty sure. Pretty, 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 pretty sure term. if Gideon hiding in his cistern <laughs> is called mighty warrior, then. Uh, there
0: we go. Pretty yeah. sure that Romans 8 says that you're more than a conqueror. More than a
1: conqueror,
2: exactly, yeah. Mm. Yep. Mm. So, yeah, again, perfect example. I might call myself a wuss, <laughs> but the truth is that, yeah, more than a conqueror.
0: Yeah. And what you've said today is showing just how much God has walked with you to oh. conquer. Yeah. <laughs> And so there's a lot of people out there that are still running into fantasies, and still us too. let's be mm-hmm. you know yeah. there's still oh, stuff yeah. right yeah. <laughs> but there are there have been steps that we've taken mm-hmm. that other people have yet to take
2: yeah.
0: to face things mm-hmm. and to really find that they are more than conquerors, mm-hmm. that who God says about himself mm-hmm. and about them is true, mm-hmm. and the freedom that comes so Because you've experienced these things and you've stepped into them, there is a power here for you to pray for others. So would you mind if we close this out with you praying for those listening who maybe haven't taken the steps that you have up to this point?
2: Okay. First of all, Father, I want to thank you for this opportunity to pray for people. What an honor. It's, again, a reminder that you have called me to be a place of comfort to your people. I pray that this that this <laughs> prayer is comforting Father to your people. God getting to to tell my story as many times as I do it 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 doesn't get old because again I get to see you in it. And nothing about you ever gets old.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Father, I thank you for for the courage to to run forward into your arms to to lay back in your arms, God. Because uh, I, I know it doesn't come from me. It's it's all from you. It's by your grace, God, that I am here today. And Father, it's by your grace that people are listening to this. It's not an accident. It's not a coincidence, Father. You have purposed this for for your glory and for their good. Father, I lift up anyone listening, anyone who, who gets to hear this, God, who might be running from you. And even those who, who don't hear it, Father, you have a way of speaking like no other mm. so yeah god whether they're listening not listening most of all father we ask that they that they listen to you and that they would stop running that they would cease trading the beauty of the creator for the lesser creation that god they would realize that that this life is nothing without you that chasing fantasy just it leaves them empty and wanting god desiring for more, desiring for something that this world can't provide. God, I ask that you enter that space, enter that space of chaos and disorder, of of pain and brokenness, and that you would bring healing, Father, that you would bring order to their chaos, peace to their restlessness, God, that they would cease running, Father, that they would stand still and turn to you, that they would just stand firm on what your word says.
0: Mm.
2: Yeah, God, just enter that space in their hearts and in their minds and allow them the courage to run to you. Give them hearts for you, God, like you did for me. This was not in my own effort. This was mm. not in my own strength. Nothing of my story should bring should point to me as being the hero because it's just, it's not, I am not the hero, God. You are, you are the Savior. You are the one who, yeah, you're the one who saves. So, Father, I pray for those listening. For those who have been running, Father, however long it's been, whether it's been months of running, years of running, a lifetime of running, God, I pray that they would stop, that their pace would slow, and that you, (laughs) that they would just turn to you, Father, that they would look at you with new eyes, that you would give them ears to hear and eyes to see, and hearts to trust and believe you. Father, thank you for all that you are. We praise you, God, because your steadfast love is better than anything in this life, and I mean anything. That's what your word says. It's better than any sort of comfort that we might seek out in this world. Your steadfast love for us, your unfailing love for us, is only part of why we praise you. Mm -hmm. Father, your name is worthy to be praised. You are worthy to be praised. And I thank you again, God, for this opportunity to to share my story and to, to bring glory to your name. It is for your beautiful name, I pray. Amen.
0: Amen, Bethany. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> oh my gosh, this was so powerful. So good. Uh, there and there's more to the story. There's yeah, so there's, we yeah. get to have you back in other seasons.
2: That's fine. Yeah, absolutely. Yay! <laughs> he said be open, so I was like, okay. <laughs> and I actually, yeah, I, I enjoyed this. This was mm. great. This was yeah. This was very restful. So thank you for praying that before this this really was restful for me.
0: Wow. So,
2: yeah. Thank you, God. <laughs> he really can do anything.
0: He can. He can do anything. He blows my mind. Wow. Well, um, we'll have you again soon. Yeah. Take care. <laughs> Thank
2: you.